0: All righty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the DealMaker Show. So today we have another founder joining us, you know, a founder with a really exciting story, a story, you know, where we're going to be talking about all the good stuff that we like to hear, like the building, the scaling, the financing. We're going to be talking about why they started the business to begin with, you know, how they went about uh, raising, you know, the money that they did. And then as well you know, why, you know, and how it took them, you know, the time that it took them to really bring the uh, senior executive team, as well as really getting uh, started, you know, with 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 bringing like the bigger customers. So again, a really inspiring story ahead of us. So without further ado, let's welcome our guest today, Ganesh Shankar. Welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Alessandro. Thanks for having me. I feel honored to be part of this uh, uh, podcast. I've listened to yours, you know, and uh, thanks for having
0: me. So, originally born in India, Ganesh. So, give us a walk through memory lane. How was life growing up over there?
1: Yeah, you, you're absolutely right. So, I was born and raised in India um, almost uh, um, uh, all my my childhood, teenagehood, all those time were spent in India. Initial my corporate uh, uh, career also started in India. Again, coming from, a, a, I would say, Looking back, memory lane, my family is all about working for the government. Uh, you know, my in my in fact, I do still remember um, uh, my my saying from my my mom, my father's mom. She always says, even if you get a a quarter cent in in terms of in rupees, she would prefer that come from the government. That's how we were born uh, in a born and raised. My my. Uh, Dad's brother, whom we look up in our family, he was a retired colonel. And my dad um, uh, is also a retired uh, agriculture, state government uh, department employee. So all along, entrepreneurial uh, thing was not in in our uh, side of the family. Pretty much we were coming from a working class. Maybe that is also another reason I was I was radical enough to think, okay, why should I be in the same path? I want to do something on my own. And I, I was always really passionate about uh, doing something uh, on my own. Uh, I can connect so many dots uh, looking back. On uh, It was not intentional at that time, but now I'm speaking, I was always, you know, interested in doing entrepreneur or something. But looking back, I, I feel like those small, small steps that I've done, even my childhood days, teenage days, and my college days, and my post-college days feels uh, uh, I did it for a reason, uh, in, in hindsight, uh, to become an entrepreneur whom we are, who am I, whom, whom I am now.
0: Now, obviously, you know, in, in India, you have that uh, pressing culture towards either becoming an engineer or becoming a doctor. Now, in your case, you realized, you know, quite uh, early on that the computer, you know, the whole computer thing was maybe not your calling.
1: Correct. I uh, you know you, you're absolutely right, Alejandro. you, you, you got to be uh, an engineer or a doctor. Uh, neither profile suited me or <laughs> not. I was not a studious, you know, um, uh, guy to, to, to learn from more. You know, if I were to call myself more of a practical guy than a studious, um, you know, um, so uh, I did pursue on my during my undergrad. I did pursue computer science as my major uh, just when I finished it. That's when I realized um, this is something I did not really enjoy. And I, I also... Uh, uh, you know, uh, enjoyed, um, you know, con- networking, connecting people that is my forte. So I decided to, you know, finish my undergrad and I decided to pursue immediately my postgraduation, uh, doing my MBA. Again, that's also in India or, or in more specifically in Coimbatore, the place I was born and raised. Uh, I did my MBA majoring in finance and marketing. So, uh, n- I've never in my life, uh, dreamt about uh, running a software company and um, it, it all happened uh, I would say with series of events but uh, uh, I would not call it a series of unfortunate events everything in my life I look at a series of fortunate events that have happened it's all great learning so I don't have any uh, cool garage story or uh, racing uh, li- uh, like a phoenix racing from the fire I don't have those things pretty much in my life what I saw a lot of people have helped me and all <clears> those <throat> Good people, you know, surrounded. Uh, you know, thought about good thinking for me. And I, I think, you know, the reason why I'm here today is because of those good people thought good things to do good things.
0: So, in so, your case, you know, obviously the financial services, you know, was the route to follow for you. Uh, and, uh, you know, before you actually got started with your company, with Responsive, which you've been at now for about eight years, which is like crazy, the amount of time. If you think about it, if you put that into corporate you know that's like a hundred years i mean it's incredible we're going to be talking about that journey in just a little bit but you know it took a, a couple of um of experiences you know working for india Bulls or navia markets or or even you know a couple more companies that you did right before exterior which was the immediate you know job before you know going and getting to work with responsive walk us through you know Basically, what were some of the lessons that you got there, and and more importantly, that transition that put you into the US, you know, because right now you're here, you're in the land of opportunity. How was that transition too, and 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 what got you to get going with 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 with, with becoming an entrepreneur? You,
1: you're, you're absolutely right, Ronan So even if you look at it right, um, US was not even in in. I was not even an eligible person to to in the first to begin with to be in US because in US. If you want to, especially if you are from India, you you have to you know uh, to, to to proceed with a master's or to do something your H-1B visa they require you to complete a four-year degree and I did or or a six-year degree you have to do four-year or a six-year I did undergrad four-year and you know combined with the post-graduation it has to be six years I I fall in between my undergrad was three years. And my postgrad was two years. so total put together, I did not fall into the four four year undergrad, nor a com- combined of a six year. So I never in my in my wildest dream I thought I would be in the US um, uh, and and you know today um, I'm a, a natural citizen of the US. but it is not how it all began. You know back in the day when I finished my MBA, you know, like you said, this is in 2005, I saw the financial market, you know, booming, you know, and it went, it went, and then I saw the opportunity to pursue my career. And a lot of companies back in India were also, you know, flourishing, especially in that segment. Uh, so I decided to pursue that as a, as a sales rep, selling mutual funds, you know, insurance, predominantly, you know, uh, stock market accounts. You got to open, you know, stock market accounts, uh, working for a broker. That's how I started my career with India, was with, who is a stock broker. And I started there and I moved to, you know, in the same area, I wanted to pursue higher career aspirations, so I went to navya Markets, where I pretty much handled the entire South India for sales. At some point of time, I had about sixty different rep, you know reps across South India, were all reporting under my arc uh, when it comes to sales. Uh, this is a very good ride to you know mid two thousand eight crash came in two thousand eight two thousand nine crash came in you know it everything came crumbling down. You know, investors were became. You know, we're, we're, you know, very, um, you know, uh, much hurt during that period and all the business was not doing good. And personally speaking, I also, because I have sold so many investors, I'm not talking about these are professional, these are, you know, you know, uh, retirement money, these are people who, who had their savings put in in stock market, they want to, these, I'm talking about individuals who are investing in the stock market. I've in that crash, I've seen literally people cry in front of me to say, "Hey, is there any way we can?" I, I felt literally helpless. I can't do anything as a sales rep. What can I do? What can I, you know? Only thing they were asking is not to cut their positions, you know. But companies cannot operate it that way. So we they leverage extra money. We have to cut position, which means they are incurring losses. So it was a, it was a, almost a bloodbath that I saw in front of my eyes. That's when I realized. That is not something I want to do for my rest of my career. And I also understand things that I can control. I felt like technology is something, if I get my hands on, I would not be like helpless like what I was in financial services. I would be just a drop in the In case of technology, I truly believe I can make a meaningful impact for whomever I'm servicing. So I decided to pivot at that time. Like I said, I was handling the entire South India when I pivoted. I think that was one of the best decisions in my life that I've made. And you know, if I had to pick up a couple of decisions that I've made, the one number one decision is moving my career from financial services to technology, but did not have any, any expectation. I went to an individual, almost like a junior role. I became like a junior business analyst, like an individual contributor, not a team. I was managing a team. I was a manager. I was almost like a VP, but I went into a business analyst role and started from scratch, you know, from listening to how other product managers to taking notes, that's how I started my career. Pretty much from zero, after almost five years of successful career. If you look at my, uh, you know, W-2, the prior year pivoting to my technology was almost triple what I did in the, the immediate year when I pivoted uh, in my individual. So that's how I start. And and. Uh, I'm glad, um, you know, I, I did that pivot. Um, you no, know, I took that risk and leap of faith, getting new technology. Um, so then, the second important decision I made in my life, I would say, is moving back to the roots. You know, again, this is when I switched. It's a company called New Street into technology. That was in 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 a different place. That was not in my place where I was born and raised, where my family was there where my my uh, my wife was there, it's all almost the entire family was in a different city. so the second best decision I made was to move back to my city. but the problem with me moving back to my city where I was born is there are not a lot of technology companies out there. you know there was only very few. I still remember those days when i I found an opportunity with this company called Xtero. I prepared myself then then most of my days during my my school or college preparing for my board exam. I prepared it more because I, that was like a bullseye. I got to get the job. So I, that's how I ended up going back to Coimbatore with that job as a, as a lead business analyst. And, and by the time I quit, uh, I became a, a director for the product management team. external is what uh, brought me to the US. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about that. That the journey that I, I pivoted uh, from, a, from a financial services to technology, and here we are, I'm running a, a you know, software company.
0: So let's talk about responsive. You know, at what point does the idea of responsive come knocking to you? And why did you think, you know, it made sense to really take the leap of faith with responsive?
1: Great question, uh, Alejandro. Uh, I've said this before, I'm saying it again. I don't have any cool garage stories like Apple or Google or or dorm room stories like, you know, Facebook or Snapchat and a bunch of friends came under or, you know, uh, that's not the case at all. This is a true story where, you know, myself, I was working at Xtero. Um, Similarly, my two other co-founders, Shankar and Sundar, were all working there. So we had an opportunity to work together. The problem is I was a product manager I'm I'm not sure if you're familiar with the term RFP, request for proposals, where most of the deals they have to go through the RFP when the enterprise software sales process happens. So the sellers, the account executive the enterprise AEs, when they get an RFP, they will, they will immediately throw out my desk to complete anything related to product. Sundar, my current CTO, gets anything related to technology. Shankar, who was the implementation manager there, he gets all related to implementation training. But I, like I said, I was there for nine years in that company. Never once my boss called me and said, "Hey, Ganesh, you did a fantastic RFP. I'm going to give you a pay raise." Let alone I never even had the word RFP mentioned in my job description or a KPI in all those nine years. Still, I have to do that work because it is the breadwinner for the company. I I remember I estimated close to about 30% of my time as a product manager was spent on sales support activities, supporting RFPs, supporting security questionnaires, supporting these team, which kind of hindered my primary job, which is product management, right? You know, you're talking about release management, you know, competitive analysis. That was not happening. I remember spending sometimes weekends to complete an RFP because if I did not get the time, you will never get a second chance to bid on an RFP. So you, you will be either disqualified if you're not submitting. So it was a lot of time pressure lot of uh, you know dread dread you know dreadfulness for me, that is kind of what prompted me to look into the market along with Sundar and Shankar to see if there's any technology out there that can solve our day-to day problem, not to to venture into a startup. This is truly to is there anything that I can implement in my job so that I can focus on my primary job. so that is how it, it all started
0: and now, for the people that are listening to get it, what ended up being the business model of responsive? how do you guys make money?
1: Responsive is a fully cloud-based SaaS solution that enables companies to respond to all sorts of questions. Although we started with RFP, but today we solve many different use cases like RFPs, RFIs, security questionnaires, ESG questionnaires. Even some, we have some nonprofit organizations use the platform for grant writing. So basically have, the platform is 100% SaaS-based technology that helps you to respond to any sort of inquiries that you're getting from the outside stakeholders. We we charge by based on, there are different factors going into, you know, uh, finalizing your price. One is how many projects that you need and how many users will be in the system, plus integration that you need, because it is not going to happen in a silo. You you may need this to be integrated with your Salesforce or a CRM platform. It may may need to be integrated with your communication platform like Slacks and Teams. It may need to be integrated with the security platform or content management. There are different elements that goes into there, but basically at a very high level, if you have to... So uh, if you want, if we wanted to call it out, based on number of projects, users, and integration points that you need.
0: Hey, guys. So pardon the interruption here. So I got to tell you that, you know, for those of you that are either looking to raise money or you're looking to get your company acquired, you don't have to be alone. You know, there's a lot of psychology that needs to be blended with strategy, with methodology, with process. And it's very hard. And already doing your business alone is super, super difficult. So to really put together an advisory firm where we are guiding entrepreneurs and founding teams through the capital raising efforts, whether you are at a seed stage or at a series A stage, or if you are going through the process of an acquisition and you are in small to mid cap type of um, a cycle. So again, you know, we would help you from guiding you and, and supporting you from A to C all the way to the end as an extension of your team, and there's no reason for you to do this alone. So with that being said, if you would like to find out more, feel free to send me an email at alejandro at and we would love to take a look at helping you out. So to date, how much has the company raised from investors? So we officially
1: raised about 25 million dollars back in 2018, and that is our official uh, raise. And we have a very clean cap table. I know, but before that, we have raised a couple of million dollars. Uh, you know, in the early stages when we started off the company. Again, I was living paycheck, paycheck. I wish I had more money, and I wish I invested more into this business. You uh, know, though, um, you know, we raised early on in in the in the journey. What we did when we brought in more serious investor who was K1 at at the juncture of 2018, we were technically not a PE deal. We brought in a PE, and even more so, the ask from us was not to fuel the, the 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 growth of the company. We did not need fund fund. We are we at that point of time. I, I'm still still that's the case. We still call ourselves in a very proud moment. We are truly customer funded business. Uh, Al We even today. We we rely on customer billings than investor or even the the operators money. So when we did the transaction in 2018, they asked from us to is to clean up the cap table of investors who are in the early part of our journey. So we still I think we still hold the record of giving the most rate of return for a you know period of just 13 months for the early investors. Um, you know uh, and we cleaned up 11 11 investors. And we now are very clean, capable. We have only one investor in our business and they hold a minority position in our business.
0: Which is now, one thing that is really incredible is that, I mean, you guys have built a really meaningful business with no, not, not such a, a big amount of money. You know, I mean, 25, 27 million for what you built. Is remarkable. I mean, why why didn't you raise more? Why did you only raise this specific amount?
1: The the, the founding team truly believes in creating a sustainable and generational business. Uh, you know, we we don't have the mindset of uh, you know growth at any cost and burn 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 is not the way we, we see business. We truly believe businesses need to be sustainable. Businesses, you know, you know, uh, need to be in a in a position where it um it it, it can weather through some of the economic uh, challenges that we are going through, even now, right? You know, that is be. That's how I've grown. Maybe it's born, the, re- the, the way I was, you know, uh, brought up. It's mostly pretty much everything that we, we I had to deal with in my early, ch- early childhood was scarcity, right? Whatever you have, maximize it. Whatever you get, maximize it. So that's how. And, and very similar story Sundar and Shankar has. They, you know, we want to maximize. And I believe that mentality. When we got little amount of capital we maximized it. at the time when we maximized this customers started coming in we now have almost 2,000 customers that includes 25 of fortune 100 companies you know if you take the world's largest 100 companies, 25 of them you know rely on responsive for their response management uh, needs so uh, it did not happen accidentally but we, we we were very thoughtful in how we we want to spend at the same time we did not also, compromise on growth. We said we, you know, when I say we did not grow at any cost, but we did grow at a you know, healthy clip. You know, we are, you know, we, when we started in 2015, launched the product in 2016. You know, by first customer paying, signing off we were less than 10 employees. Today, we have 2,000 customers. We have 500 and almost we have 550 employees worldwide. We are in three different continents and serving customers across the globe. So, uh, and we have. Oh, almost we are approaching um, 450,000 users in the platform. That's not it. One other important thing, you know, I was literally coming off of my uh, company kickoff. We had to you know, pull out some cumulative data. Till date, our platform has processed almost $500 billion worth of transaction. Our customers have put the system in place for almost $500 billion Worth of proposals and and know deals that they manage in our platform. So it's a you know looking at last year just average, it's about ten to fifteen billion dollars every single month. Customers have processed deals in our platform.
0: That's amazing. You know one thing that is true is that the amount of capital that you guys have raised and where you're at. I mean, typically you would see a company that maybe has raised in the hundreds of millions for you know being able to achieve where you guys are at. So that is. Absolutely remarkable, you know, how you were able to do what you did, you know, with the resources that you had available to you guys. So kudos to you and and to the team, I guess, you know, in this regard too, when you're bringing on uh, employees, uh, when you're bringing on uh, also investors or even customers, you know, I think that they are they are all rallying towards a vision. So when it comes to the vision, imagine you were to go to sleep tonight and you wake up in a world where the vision of. Responsive is fully realized. What does that world look like?
1: It's very simple, uh, um, Alessandro. The vision is to transform how organizations share and exchange information. Okay? How are these companies exchanging information, sharing information is what our vision is. In an ideal world, if we achieve the vision, every company in the world requests and respond in our platform so our our mission is to build the world's most powerful information exchange platform to help the request the request could be anything it could be RFP. it could be a grant or trying to issue a grant you know the responders are trying to so the the idea is to help them transform the way they are requesting and responding to that information that is in you know, eliminating the need for standalone documents you don't need to send them standalone documents to fill out the forms it all happens in a unified platform that is the vision the vision is to transform how organizations share and exchange information
0: and now what about to the the way that you guys have uh, been able to build the team you know people that you have built because i know that uh, you are very careful there you know about thinking about the senior executive team and and things like that so what were some of the lessons, you know, along the journey of building the team that uh, that you took away, you know, from, from this incredible eight years of building this company?
1: Yeah, and again, one thing if I call, we we still probably have the first 50 of our employees. You know, again, uh, the, the, the people who joined us in the early stages, they're still with the company, you know, be it engineers, be it, you know, sales, be, be it marketing, be it, um, you know, customer success. We still have that group of them you know again it is not um, uh, something uh, because we did something you know uh, completely out of out of out of box i feel like the main reason this happened is we we had a very clear vision and we had a very solid company culture this is defined by these five values um Alexandre. we we buy hearted every employee goes through this orientation and as well as it is not just during the time of onboarding you get to exp- Expo you get exposed to these values it is practically being done in everything that is being done at responsive the first value we call it as gid get it done our attitude from the very get-go is how can we get things done not pass the baton if you can do it you should do it don't wait for someone else to do it don't don't wait for someone else to take care of it if you see you know if you can get things done get it done that's the first value that's the culture it even starts with me and everything can be you know if we can do it let's do it the second value we call it as an s4 s4 stands for see something say something this came out of my, my personal experience when i you know you talk to me about my my arrival to the to this country i i landed at seattle airport for the first time i i was kept hearing this pa announcement people were saying hey, if you see an unattended bag, say, it, in the, at the air, airport, you know, Seattle Tacoma Airport, people are constantly repeating, if you see an unattended bag, say, it. I felt why only it should be in, at the airport. It has to be at everywhere. If, if collective brains come together and if they share what they see, if they share to improve, that's an amazing culture. So we built an S4 culture inside the organization. Third one is GBT, giving back time. We don't like to, you know, sit and muck around somebody's time. I don't want my time to be wasted. It's only fair for my employees to expect the same thing. It's only fair for my customers to expect the same thing. It's only fair for my investors to expect the same thing from me. Let us not waste somebody's time. Let us give back. Time. Fourth, B-A-N. Be agile and nimble. This is came this came out of actually from our customer. They said, We have never worked with a company who was so agile, who can deliver things so quickly and faster. Please don't lose that agility. So that, became like a mantra for the company. We, we are known for our agility in the market, in our space, in the strategic response management space. People, everybody know how quick responsive is. And in fact, when we, when in, the, in the prior name, if you look at our name prior to responsive, we had RFPIO. That really resonated with the core use cases and we rebranded our name to our responsive. When we rebranded our company, we took a step back and said, okay, what are we, what are we looking at? We wanted a rename that reflects our characteristics. So responsive, when we finalize, it immediately connected, because we've been responsive from day one. That is in our value. We are nimble. Last but not least, the last fifth value is a DOC, delight our customer. Anything that we do in our company got to be delighting our customers. They are the ones who are keeping our lights on. We have to make sure they're delighted, not just getting something out of ours. It has to be a delightful experience. So that translated into an amazing employee experience that we provided and for that reason I, I think I think that establishing core values and clearly communicating where the companys headed I felt like that those are some of the ingredients for us to where we are at today with this 550 plus employees and we've been very transparent in what we do not just good things we've been very transparent when things were tough when you know when things when we did not hit some some you know aggressive things that we we set ourselves, we were very transparent. And we, we said, okay, we'll, we'll find ways to do it. And I clearly see when we say that clearly, a teams teams rally to get that things done. And we got it done. In fact, that's how 2023 first half was a little bit of a tougher year for most, I'm sure. But overall, if you look at 2023, it was the best year in the company's history.
0: So now imagine I put you into a time machine and I bring you back in time and I bring you back Let's say to that moment that you were, you know, at Xtero, you know, and and wondering, you know, a future, a future where you could bring something of your own, a future where you could become an entrepreneur. You know, let's say 2015, you know, let's just position this. You've given your notice at Xtero. You're walking out of the building there in Portland, Oregon, and they, you're able to stop that younger Ganesh. And you're able to just sit down, that younger Ganesh, and you say, hey, before you go and start this company, you got to keep this in mind. But would that be and why that you'll be sharing with your younger self? Be humble.
1: Don't take it to your head. Network, network, network. And validate it's okay to say no. Pivot at the right time.
0: I love it. Ganesh. For the people that are listening that uh, would love to reach out and say hi, what is the best way for them to do so?
1: Yeah, our website would be the best way. www.responsive.io would be the best
0: way to reach to us. Amazing. Well, Ganesh, thank you so much for being on the Dealmaker Show today. It has been an honor to have you with us.
1: Thank you, Alejandro. It was a great pleasure on my, uh, my side. Thanks for having me. It was a great privilege to be on your show.